I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. I, I do. I, I gave something to the men uh, when we had our men's thing last Friday night and Saturday. Or I think I gave it on Saturday. But for quite some time, I know uh, pastors made mention of it, and you've all heard him say that uh, that he could preach one thing and preach the same same word and uh, give the same kind of message and somebody else can come through and because they have a different voice. It seems as though because we're people, we're more attentive or we listen more because it's a different voice. Same message, different voice. And a lot of times we shut the people off that we hear their voice for a long time. We shut them off in a way or we kind of, it's kind of like a kid uh, with his parents. Oh, it's just dad talking. You know, we've heard that before. Even though we're speaking the truth, a lot of times people shut us off. And, and that's just the way it is. And Brother Robertson's preaching, preached for 27 years. I've been here almost 17 years. And some of these other men have preached a long time in this church. And I feel, I feel like this in the Holy Ghost. And I, I gave this prophecy. That God's not going to change the truth in our mouth. He's going to change the tone of our voice. These men up on the platform. We're going to preach... The same message, but people's going to start listening. God is going to somehow change the tone of our voice. If you, you understand what I'm saying, and there is going to be a reception of that tone, and people is going to start heeding to the Word of God. It's not going to just be Pastor Robertson up here preaching the same thing you may have heard him preach ten years ago. It's not going to just be Brother Anthony. Uh, leading service just to him again and he's just up here again there's going to be an anointing and I'm going to tell you something I want you to hear me and hear me well in the next six months there is going to be an apostolic anointing that's going to flow from this pulpit and there is going to be an apostolic miraculous thing things that we are going to take part of and see and you better get ready if the church listen to me this church was designed for the last day, uh, last day revival, which trumps, listen to me, which is greater than the one that was cre- uh, uh, poured out on the day of Pentecost. This last day church, listen to me very w- closely, was supposed to be greater than the former reign. The latter reign is going to be greater. Jesus, He did all those miracles. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He fed the 5,000 with a few bre- uh, loaves of uh, bread and some, a few fish. He done all those mighty works. Have you ever seen anything like that? I ain't never seen anything like that. But Jesus, out of His mouth, and He's not a liar, said, Greater things shall ye see and shall ye do. It is time for the church to start believing in who they are. The reason, listen to me, the reason I, I feel, I know it's going to go along with what I've got to say tonight, but the reason why we have not been doing those things or seeing those things is because for so long we've not really believed in who we are. I walked in here tonight not feeling well, but I feel an anointing, a prophetic anointing, that we are going to start seeing it, and we're going to start believing in who God said we are. Hey, I'm a child of God. I I have the same Holy Ghost that Lee Stone King has. 
I may never preach a because of times. I may never in, be invited to preach a camp meeting. But I'm going to tell you something. These men up here have not have yet to preach their greatest messages. I'm just telling you that. You better get ready. Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. I'm not going to ask for forgiveness for being truthful tonight. I'm just going to say what I feel. I probably won't be politically correct in some of the things that I say and, some, and how I say them. But I'm not going to apologize for them because, you know what, we've got to stop apologizing for truth. Moses didn't say, thou shalt not kill. I'm sorry if I offended anybody. Oh, uh, uh, honor authority. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, offend you because I know you have a problem with understanding authority. We should never, ever apologize for the word of God. Matthew 16, 18. And I say unto thee, also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's simple. We've heard that a thousand times. I want to just talk to you for a little bit this, this night on what is the church or who is the church. You may be seated. I'd like to first make mention not really who the church is, but I, I want to uh, first let you know what the church is not. What the church is not. Let's narrow this down. The church, it is not a building. It is not a building program. It is not a structure made by men. A church may meet in a building, but if that building turns down, uh, burns down, the church, because the building is eliminated, doesn't mean that the church is eliminated. We are the church. I have a news flash for Satan and anybody that tries to, to, to uh, write the church off. If, if he shut every door down, in the world, to all the churches, regardless where what kind of denominational church or whatever, if he shut all the church buildings down and it was forbidden for us to gather in a church or building and have church, if we were never ever allowed to come in here and worship or nobody was ever allowed to strum a guitar or play the piano or sing another hymn, I'm telling you something tonight, that the church would still go on. The church will still be the church. God will always have a church. The Bible says that He built His church and the gates of hell, which is the power source behind everything that is evil. It is the power source behind every cruel deed that every man or woman that have, has ever committed against God. It is the power source behind every ugly murder and every abortion and everything that is ungodly. The hell is, all, is the power behind the source of all sin. And everything that has ever tried to come against this church, nothing will silence the church, because the church is God's church, and because it is not my church, then nothing can silence the church. It is God's church. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I dare any devil in hell to try to take what God has built, because what God has built is forever. I said what God has built 
is forever. I've said it before. that Our government can take prayer out of schools. They can take the Ten Commandments off the uh, courthouse lawns. They can silence us. They can protest against the church. But I'm going to tell you something. That will not silence the church. It will only empower the church because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And what is the world's bad news is the church's good news. The more that the devil comes against this church, I feel an anointing here. The more that the the devil rises up against the church, gives God more power to do what God is wanting to do in our midst. The more death, the more resurrections. The more sickness, the more diseases is going to be more healings. The more captivity, the more God will set the captives free. God will always have a church. The church is not a denomination. I said the church is, is not a denomination. The church is not a man-made organization. It is not made up of men's creeds or traditions or religious activities or philosophy, philosophies. It was made uh, not of creation of man, but our Lord Himself created it. The Catholic Church was not designed by God. I don't care how much glit. And how much power and uh, how much money that the Catholic Church has. They look like they're invincible. But the Catholic Church was invented by a man. So therefore it can be destroyed. Anything that man makes can be taken out of the picture. But anything that God builds cannot be moved. I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna get ugly. Okay, I'm not gonna try to offend anybody else. So if you got family that go to any other kind of churches, just forgive me. I got a lot of family that are Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, some Catholic. Some of them don't give a flip. But I'm gonna tell you something about the denominal church. It is a good. Listen to me. I think I'm all right. You're not Catholic, are you? That the church, those denominal churches, and even the Catholic church can be very good stepping stones towards Christ. There's a lot of people that have felt the power of God in a denominal church or a Baptist church or a Methodist church. They, just because they may not preach the whole truth doesn't mean that God can't move in there. Because any time, let's face it, any time the Word of God is, is read or preached or the name of Jesus, there's power. But those, if you study the denominal churches, they are all branches of the Catholic Church. And they carry one thing, in, have one thing in common, which is the Trinity, which is the biggest lie that ever hit the market. It is. It's bigger than the Muslim. It's worse than the Muslim. It's worse because there's, they're so close in a way. They believe Jesus is, is the Christ, but they're this close to the truth, but they're off. And any time, even if you're a little bit off the truth, you're still preaching a lie. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't care who you are or where you're from. If you, be, if you go to a denominal church, you're walking in false doctrine. I know that's not popular because, see, we're supposed to be politically correct in this. La I feel like I'm channeling Brother Robertson right now. See, I don't do the British accent. Don't try it. What about a Russian accent? Oh, 
special. I don't have it. I don't have it. But the denominal churches have been built on false doctrines. And they cannot stand. There is no power in the Trinity doctrine. None. I'm all here. I'll just say it because it's a truth. I heard my grandpa say it. But Trinity doctrine is is a form of Antichrist, because I'm going to tell you why. Because when people baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, they leave out Jesus' name. And anybody that leaves out the name of Jesus Christ is Antichrist. Now, there's people in here that's got family that that's all they know, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or whatever, but if it's false doctrine, uh, Paul said in Galatians 1 and 8, he said, if anybody else, ye or an angel, ye, you or an angel, preach anything than what we preach in the book of Acts, he said, let them be damned, let them be cursed. Why? Because they're not preaching the truth. Anything that man has built is a false, it's lies, and you cannot make it to heaven living a lie. I know I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. It may not get in trouble here, but this is going out on podcasts, and there's going to be people listening to it. But I'm telling you the truth. We need to stand up for truth. You know why you know why people are, their churches are dead because they're not preaching the truth anymore. The truth the Bible says, "Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." If you're not free, it's because you don't know the truth. All right, I'm sorry. I'm getting off where I'm supposed to be. I thought I was going to go quick tonight and but I'm not even off my first page. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said he would build his church. That means the church is God's creation. The creation, listen to me, the creation is always subject to the creator or the designer. The creator always has the authority over the creation. The creation is always subject to the creator. Men will try to manipulate it. But they will fail. Humanity's imperfections will not ever dilute the power or the faults of men will never interfere with the church's destination. The church is predestined. He also said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means that the real church will never be destroyed. As a matter of fact, the only people in heaven will be the church. I am the church. You are the church. I'm having problems here. You can walk away from the church. But when it's all said and done, the church will keep going on. The church will never lose its power. There's people, you, there's, I've heard them say it. Well, the church will never be the same because I walk away. But I'm going to tell you something. Just because you walk away, the church will not lose its power. Because the power source don't dwell within the body or the saints. The power source is the creator of the church, which is Jesus Christ. 
Hey, we, I, I don't want to ever see people walk away from the church and we'll sorely miss you and you're part of the body and the church will miss you. And, but I'm going to tell you something. God will always use somebody else. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell, Moses said, Moses told God, God called Moses. And he said, Moses, I want you to be a, an oracle and I want you to tell Pharaoh uh, to let my people go. Moses said, I can't. And God never argued with him. Ever think about that? He never argued with him. He chose. He said, "Okay, uh, Aaron will do it." God will always find a replacement. I, I, I can use. Where, where's he at, Brother Mark? You love me, don't you? If you walked out tonight and said, "I ain't come back," playing those key, keys, and Sister Katie walked out and she went to Vegas and. Uh, started putting all her money on horses and gambling her life savings away and walked off. I'm going to tell you something. God would supply us somebody else to play the piano here. Not that we wouldn't miss them. But be, be, people, people leave the church a lot of times because they think that they're going to stop the flow of revival. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't stop what God has set in order. God will always find somebody to, to, to do His will and to lead. You hear me? The church is predestined. It is predestined to succeed. The church will prevail because God ordained it to do so. The word church in the Greek, it comes, here's where I always mess up, Southern Illinois, Ecclesia. Did I say it right? Which simply means a calling out. The church is people. It is people who have been called out and separated from this world. The church is God's people. Who uh, those who love and obey and serve God is called the church. This is the church that God is building for Himself. In the life story, of former uh, President Richard Nixon, probably one of uh, Brother Davis's favorite uh, all-time presidents, and right, <laughs> not Carter. I'm just. I won't mention any more. I just. I won't say nothing else what we talked about before church, folks. Uh, I'm, but President Richard Nixon, he wrote describing himself. He said, I was born in a house my father built. Richard Nixon, fact is, he did not build his house. He was simply born in the house that his dad built. He had nothing to do with the building of it. He just lived there and he was raised there. His father, he built the house. He lived in that house free of charge because he was the son of the builder. He understood that. It is very vital that we as the church realize that this is not our church. It is not our church. It is not your choir. Those are not your uh, Music, well, some of them are. You take, uh, Joe take his guitar. Though this is not, those are not your drums, Brother Davis. Where's he at? I think, I think he left on it. But because 
A lot of people think they have ownership of the church because they go. That's not your seat, Sister Roxanne. I've seen you sit there for a long time. But if you come to church and somebody else sits in your seat, don't get mad. I'm just picking on you right now. I know you're not going to get mad. But she could get mad. You ever seen these people? They can't have revival unless they're sitting in their pew. That's their pew. They didn't pay for it. It's God's pew. We just get to take, uh, reap the benefits of the house that God built. And growing up in my house, I just lived there. That was my, I called it my bedroom and my bed. But the fact is, I never paid a dime of rent. I know I, you all pay your tithe, but that's not really for the church. You owe that to God already. That's His. But I lived in that house. I got fed in that house. I got the roof over my head. I got warm in the winter and cool in the summertime. I got mama's good cooking, but and I called it my house. But can I tell you that I wasn't the authority over that house because my father paid for that house. It's just like in the church. We we get to reap the benefits of the father's house. We get to come in here and we get to feel his presence. We 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 get to give in the offering. We get to. That's that's a benefit of ours. It's not a drudgery. We get to play on the platform music. We get to sing before God. We get to preach and on the platform we get to worship in this house but this is not our church this is God's church and he's the final say and the final authority in this house so if it's God's business we better handle it like it's God's business amen we better do it God's way we better walk according to his plans if we I'm going to take it one step further. The Bible says that our bodies is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So guess what, folks? The body that you're walking in isn't in yours either. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's God's church. So it does matter how you talk. I know I'm not... I, I think I'm preaching better when I'm sick. It matters how you talk. Well, I can wear whatever I want to and look however I want to because God made me my own person. You're not your own when you was baptized. Listen to me. You Listen to me. You are your own when you're in, born into the natural world. But when you've been born again, all of a sudden you become the sons of God and you become the temple of the Holy Ghost. So it's a real big deal what you put on your body or what you don't put on your body. There I go, being unpolitical again. This is not really good because people don't want to hear this. You are not your own. My dad used to tell my sisters, she, before they walked out of the house, uh, nah, I won't say it. Oh. no, I'm not going to say what I was getting ready to say because it was bad. This is going to be on podcast. I was going to say, I was going to, I was going to say it worked with one, but it didn't work with the other. I hope my sisters don't listen to this. Well, she used to say, he used to say to them, let me ask you a question. Before you walk out of here with that on, is that pleasing to God? 
Does God want people to see what you're getting ready to show them? What you have on or what you don't have on, is that holy? I can wear, I, I can do without. No, you are God's child. You belong to God. The, whole, the Bible says that the temple should be a holy place. The body should be holy. Present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice unto God. Don't tell me that you're the boss of yourself when you've been baptized into His power and His presence. You belong to God. I should... Okay. Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are build, builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You are inhabited through God. He is the chief cornerstone. I brought this out a couple times, but I love it. I love going back to it. And when you teach Bible studies, it's a really good thing to teach. It said that Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The chief means the one in charge. The one with the authority and the power. The one that has the ability to speak into your life whenever he wants to. To tell you what to do and what not to do. He's the chief. He's the top guy. But it said that he was the cornerstone. And I, I, I like bringing this out because it's, it's, just, it's, it's great. He, uh, the cornerstone is a point of reference in which a building is set forward. When God set Jesus on this earth through the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, he was the one, the cornerstone or the benchmark or point of reference, the beginning in which everything should be measured. So everything after him should be squared and measured from him. If you want to change holiness, you have to go back and change the point of reference. Because everything that lines up from Jesus, God in the flesh, is holy. So when you start measuring off, if you're not holy, not chances are, but it's a guarantee that you're not measuring from Him. Because he should be the beginning of everything in our life. If you want to change Jesus' name baptism, you've got to go back and change the cornerstone. And whom all building, building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple of the Lord. We can see by this passage and the one in Matthew 16 and 18 that we have been born into the house that our Father built. We did not pay for this house. We did not build it. We have simply been born into it. It is called the church. It is God's church. To be a member of God's church, you must be born into it. We are naturally born into the. Uh, we are, excuse me. We are born naturally into the church, but that, that that doesn't make sense. I printed out my notes. We are not. We are naturally born into this world, but we have to be spiritually born into the church. To be born again, a person must obey the Scriptures, the chief cornerstone, which tells us how to be born again. The Bible tells us we are to be born again through repentance, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receiving the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues. That is how we are born unto our Father's house. In order to be part 
of the church. You can't just repent. I remember that brother, brother Jeff Arnold. He he had gave gave his testimony. It was one of the most powerful testimonies. Before he came and got the Holy Ghost, he said he had got more Billy Graham cards than he could. He could. I forget how many cards he had gotten because he had went. He was so desperate to change his life. He said he was drinking Bacardi rum and and just all kinds of. Uh, of beer and alcohol. He was an alcoholic. He was a gambler. He said he smoked I don't know how many cigars a day. And he was just, he said, I was a no good for nothing. He said, I couldn't understand why I couldn't change. He said, because I went to all the Billy Graham crusades that was in the area. He said, and he had a bunch of cards to show it. But he could never, he could never, ever change. It, it, he couldn't understand it. And finally, one day, his wife said, No wonder, Jeffrey. Why you can't change? He said. She said because you're not doing it right. You haven't went to the right church yet. You have to die to yourself. What do you mean? He said. She said you have to be born again. She said when I was a little girl, she said I was picked up on a church band. And she said I remember pe- people being changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. He said. She said you need to go to the right church. And it's only until you are born again. Death, burial, and resurrection that you is not until then that you cannot be a part of the church of the living God. If you want change in your life, you have to go through the necessary steps of salvation. It's not enough to just repent. Just because you repent doesn't mean you're part of the church. Repentance represents death. All yours dead. What good are you? If you if you repent and you're baptized, baptized means burial. If you if you if you die and you're buried, where's the life at? There's no life. The Bible says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it said also it said that the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise us up in the final hour. That's the Holy Ghost. Death, burial, and resurrection. And we cannot be part of the church of the living God unless we went through the three steps of salvation. As a son growing up in my home, I thought, uh, I thought of, of, of the, my place as my house or my home. I didn't pay for it. But God paid for it, and it was my father's house. But until I, and if I went against the rules, it was to boarding school you go. You know how many times I've been told that? You want to be a part of my house? You got to do, do things my way. Brother Davis, have you ever had to tell, him, tell your kids that? You have. I think all of us have. I think I told my kid that, and he was two. I'll ship you to Grandma's house, boy. Better leave my food al- cookies alone, man. The church of God's house, it is what he built. We are his children, and we get to reap the benefits of his house. The foundation in Ephesians 2 and 20, we read that God's house has a foundation. The church must be built upon a foundation. What is that foundation? The Bible says that the foundation is of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If you're outside him or outside his book, you cannot be a part of the church. I get so sick and tired of hearing people say, 
Well, we're all going to the same place. And what you call God, what you may call God Jesus Christ, and what I may call God Allah, but we're all, we all love God and we're going to the same place. And we're all, we just all want to be working together and doing. Jesus said, I am the door. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is the only way is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't believe that, you're not saved. That's pretty rough, isn't it? I'm so sick of candy-coated for people. You know, I don't tell that. I do not tell that to people that are coming towards the light. There's a big difference. There's two types of charismatics. The first type of charismatic are people that are not fully in the truth. They don't know everything about the truth, and they're coming towards the light. And you've got to pray to God to give you wisdom to, uh, to discern the difference. There's people that's going to come to your life that are coming towards the truth. And they're wanting to know more. And you cannot talk to them like I'm talking to you. But then there's those charismatic dudes. I've seen them. I've got them all over my Facebook. I grew up with them. I'm so sick and tired of it until I'm about ready to get sick. All of them, got, all of a sudden, they've got this new freedom that they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're venturing out. They're their own people. They don't need the church. They, they're going out and they're going, their pulpits are splitting in half and they've got gold dust falling from the, the, the uh, do you think I'm kidding, from the ceilings and they're seeing all these new, uh, new uh, visions from God that, that, that go totally against what we preach. I'm going to tell you something. Anything outside of the book and anything outside of apostolic doctrine is a lie. I said it a few weeks ago. I said it a few weeks ago. I counted on Facebook. I, I, I'm telling you, it's got to be over 100. Uh, over 100 people that I, I've seen go what we call charismatic. They stop, they stop doing all what we call standards, separation of the Holy Ghost, separation of the church. When you see them out, you don't know they're apostolic. Or they call themselves apostolic. And I counted about 95% of them. I've been really keeping track. And I just want to see it because I want to use it. Because these people, they, all of a sudden, they stopped preaching Jesus' name baptism. Ninety-something percent of them. And it started with them saying, I don't think it's really necessary, Pastor, uh, that I, I don't need to grow my hair out long. And I can wear what I want to. And I want, if I want to go to the beach and, and, and have a bathing suit on, I'll just go. You start separating yourself from the church and from truth, you're going to lose it. You are going to lose it. Before long, why? I'll tell you why. Because you're going to start feeling obligated. Because, listen to me, because you look like everybody else. There is no lines or boundaries between you and the world. So therefore, you feel obligated to accept what they have to say and the way that they think that salvation should be. So all of a sudden you go, well, listen, everybody, we should love everybody, and we should. But let's accept everybody for who they are. Oh, I'll say it. And all of a sudden we start accepting, oh, I know they're gay, but 
that, that just, and they're homosexuals and they're lesbians and we just have to accept them for who they are and we're supposed to love everybody and just let them come in the church and before long, I'm just telling you because I feel it in the Holy Ghost because it ain't going to happen here. I'm going to tell you something, it ain't going to happen here. If you think it is, you... I don't know how I'm getting off in this, but I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost when I tell you it's time for us to keep, for, to stand up for truth and not to sell it. Quit listening to it. I don't care who they are, your friend, your family, or whatever. You let them go. You love them. You don't quit preaching the truth. You don't quit. You, you, don't, you, don't tell them, uh, you don't tell them that you're disowning them. You still love them, but you tell them the truth. And so when they begin to separate themselves from the church... They stop believing like the church. I'm not. Well, Sunday night, God tore me up. He absolutely tore me up. And it's the most uncomfortable thing. It's actually really embarrassing when God starts working. Because you got something that you want to preach. you got it on paper. You, you're trying to be organized. You can see my, paper, my notes. I'm organized. I, they're, they're all organized. They're in a row. And that's probably what gets me in trouble a lot. But when God starts tearing me up, that just it's uncomfortable, it's embarrassing, because I think everybody is going, man, that guy's ate up. And Sunday night, I felt that way. But I, I, I'm going to quit that. I'm just going to go with what God wants me to say. And I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you something about, I'm going to tell you something about standards. Let me tell you something about standards. It's, it's, it's kind of hidden in the garden. But when God told Adam and Eve, they, he said, I, you can do everything you want in this garden. You can touch everything. You can eat of everything. It's yours. But except for this one, one tree, you can't eat it. It's they, people are drawn to things they can't do. I mean, it's like kids don't play in a fire. They got their hair in it. <laughs> Putting gasoline in a spray bottle. Throwing bottle rockets at each other, you know. Why are we like that? Why are we drawn to that? But Adam and Eve was. But listen to me. God spoke to Adam, and he said, do not eat of this fruit. And if you look, I was going to say this for another time, but I want to bring it out right now because I feel it's in order. But if you look, when the serpent came to Eve, and he's tried to tell her, that just eat of it. I mean, if you eat of this, this fruit, your eyes will be open. You'll become as gods, and you, you, know, you won't die. You know what Eve said to him? Eve said, God said not to touch it. Oh, he didn't. God did not tell Eve not to touch the fruit. He told Adam not to eat of it. If she would have touched it, that wasn't the sin part. Can I tell you not everything that we preach against maybe not be full right out sin and, and going to send us to hell? But Eve come to the conclusion of her own. She said, i got to set a boundary. She said, I know that if I do touch this, I'm going to eventually eat this. And so I'm going to draw the line or a standard. And that's what our pastor does. He, there's certain things in our heaven or hell issue, but he says, don't go there. Don't cross that line. Because I know if you eventually cross that line, you'll go further. And where does it stop? I may get in trouble. Oh, I, I may get in trouble for saying this. That's why. That's why we don't really do rings here. Because I mean, he's. You know, I've seen it. 
I've seen these apostolic girls come in. They got a ring on their thumb. They got a ring. On, I've seen it. I, I, see, I went to youth camp and saw it. Had a ring on their thumb and a ring on this finger, a ring on that finger, a ring on here. And before long, they had rings on their toes. And it's, there's no end to it. So when a pastor says, uh, no, this is the boundary. I, we've got to set it because it's the standard. And I'm not, I'm not preaching against rings or whatever. I'm not. That's his, that's his thing. That's his business. But when I sit under him, whatever he says, I'm going to do it. He sets the boundaries. He sets it. My dad always taught me, you know what? If you don't agree with it, don't sit there and gripe about it. Just pack up and find another place that, that you agree with. It's what he, he always told me that. I'm just telling you. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you what my dad told, used to tell me. And he don't hold any punches back. Going home next week, just wait and see what he says about this. He'll probably say next you'll be joining some kind of gang, get a teardrop right, right there. Teachings of okay, I'm going to get back here. I, I, I'm teachings of Jesus Christ, apostles' doctrine, the prophets make up the foundation of the church. What the apostles taught is what we must be, what be taught should be taught today, and still remain in the church. We have to believe and teach the apostles' message. Uh, we must defend it. We must defend this this gospel. We must stand up for it. Uh, from being distorted and watered down or diluted. Any other foundation will not stand. This is the truth. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. There, I know, I don't know a lot, of, a lot of people, but I do know some people that know some key preachers, apostolic preachers that's preached there because of the times in our conference, general conference and camp meetings, that if I said their name, you would say, oh, yeah, they were one of my favorite preachers. I heard those, that preacher at Mark Conference. I, I heard that preacher preach it because of times. What an amazing preacher. What blah, blah. We, and we, we get stuck on people that are great preachers. But these preachers have fallen away, and I have heard them. I have heard of them by personal friends of mine that knew them well, that these men were their, uh, their uh, mentors, and these men have made the statement, I wish I could go back to the church. These men are preaching on TBN. And they have offerings coming in. I bet you they have, they're making a million dollars a year. And they lay in bed at night wishing that they would have never, ever left. And we'll tell you something, 90% of those men started losing it because they started making excuses for their children. I know a pastor that had a church in Illinois. It was one of the largest churches. He had the most powerful, incredible church in Illinois. Absolutely incredible. I mean, they were growing. They had it on the ball. They had the best choir. They had the best musicians. They were, all the churches in, in Illinois, they started looking at these people and trying to pattern their church after them. I'm going to tell you where he, where the pastor, where the bishop messed up was because his son, a friend of mine, started playing in a bar 
And he, he did it because he was going to have a, he was going to go a talent show. And it was a Christian alternative band. And he played there and he was good. He had talent. I played music with the guy. And he's talented. And I played music with all those guys in that band. Incredible musicians. Friends of mine. But they started, they played there one night just to do it. And you know what? The next Sunday night, he was on the drums. And then a few weeks went by, somebody had seen him playing, the mu- playing music, and all of a sudden they say, hey, he's a good drummer. Hey, we're going to hire you for your band. We'll pay you 150 bucks a night. $150 a night to play the drums, do whatever, I, you know. I- I've had those offers. It's tempting, but he-, he took it. But his father started making excuses for his children. His one son was the best organ player I've ever heard in Pentecost, hands down. Most incredible guy. He's played for uh, uh, Luther Vantross and all those guys. Uh, I, is that his name? I mean, just uh, incredible talent. He's played on uh, the, uh, the Tonight Show now. He's been everywhere in the world playing. He was an incredible musician. And he was, all of a sudden he comes out of the closet and he's on the platform. And the drummer's back there, and he's playing the bars on the weekend on Sunday night. And because the father started making excuses for his children, all of a sudden his church started going down the hill. They probably got 150 people at that church now, but the pastor that was there broke off of that church, and he went right down the road in the same town and built a charismatic church, and they run over 1,000 people. And you can't tell any of them from the world. Just here recently, they buried that man because he, had bone, he got bone cancer and he died the most horrific death you've ever seen. I'm going to tell you something. When you start separating yourself from the people of God and the house of God, you automatically, listen to me very closely, you automatically remove the umbrella of protection of God and the favor of God. I want God's favor in my life. This church here is not my church to do what I want with it. This is his church. And it's got to be his way or I might as well walk away. Let's all stand. We separate ourselves from the church. I'm going to tell you something. We become our own judges. We, we, when you separate yourself from the church, all of a sudden you become your own critic and your own judge. And God's out of the picture. When you make yourself an island, all of a sudden God's laws aren't your laws anymore. You make your own set of rules up. You don't have to answer to anybody. It's convenient. It's convenient to sit home in a chair. It's convenient to pop in a movie and watch it and, and just rest and relax. It's convenient. And sometimes it's inconvenient to come to church, isn't it? It really is sometimes. You're tired. You get up early in the morning, and it's hard. But it is the most important thing we can do is to connect with the body of Jesus Christ. I, I, didn't, I didn't even come close to finishing. I, I, just want, I just want to be what God wants me to be. We don't have to be the most talented. Abraham, or excuse me, Moses, he wasn't the most eloquent man in the world. But God chose him. Because God is looking for people that are willing to do 
what God asked them to. He's just looking for a chosen vessel. And I'm glad that the church is not just in a four walls. Because one day, this church won't be here. One day, we're, we're going to be kicked out of this place. The Lord tarries. I guarantee that's the way it's going to be. But we're, we're walking churches. I take this home with me. I go to bed with Jesus with me. I'll get up in the morning with Jesus with me. And they can take this old church and they'll burn it, knock it to the ground. But they'll never destroy what we've got right here. When they do take this church out of here, this, this, physical, this physical building, we're going to have churches and we're going to have house churches. We're still going to see the miraculous happen. We're going to still see people get the Holy Ghost. It's, it, and so don't ever worry about it. And, and, and I believe that when we, the church, when people get on fire, then the church will start doing what God called them to do and be. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I apologize. I, I, came to, I wasn't feeling well tonight at all. And uh, I've never had a cold in the spring. And I think that they're the worst. I, I've never had a cold in the spring. And uh, I just started getting one a couple of days ago. And actually, Brother Robertson was supposed to be doing this tonight, so I, but I got elected. And, and, uh, but I appreciate you, your patience with me. I love, you. I love this church very much. I appreciate you all. You all are wonderful people. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. Hug their neck. If it's appropriate, tell them you love them in Jesus' name. Tell them they look good. Not everybody's doing that. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.